Welcome back to Live from West End. Today I'm joined by Aiden Rutman, the what? usual deputy sports editor. He only has a month and a half left until he goes to Florence to study, which should be really exciting. What I told him is you just got to eat a lot of pizza and enjoy pasta. it. And pasta. And pasta. pasta. Um, before we get into spring and winter and basketball season, and we're talking about the indoors, we're going to talk about Vanderbilt football. Last home game of the season, the Commodores did the usual they lost in an SEC home game. That makes them fall to 1-16 at home in SEC play since I've been here. Just a putrid statistic. That one win came against Florida on Thanksgiving break. We weren't even here. When we weren't even here. Yep. So it's just Vanderbilt seniors and I think alumni, they've become quite used to just the losing. Numb to the pain. <laughs> you know that meme? No. Oh, okay, never mind. Nobody gets my memes anymore. Um... I was going to say something. Oh, yeah, before we get into, like, basketball, it's finally exciting to have something optimistic to talk about and feel hopeful again. I feel like we haven't felt hopeful since August. So Yeah, no, that's fair. It's best to get football out of the way, isn't it? Yeah, it is, and, and it was it was my last home game, and you got to see alumni come back. And then at halftime, Outstanding Senior Award was given to Rachel Parada. She's our uh, esteemed editor-in-chief, and she's really great. Um, I, I think it, it shows a lot of of how much the hustler means to this school and how much uh, being a part of that that commitment really shows within Rachel and she's worked so hard the past four years. So let's just take time to, to give her a round of applause. Yeah, if, if you're listening, Rachel, shout out you. Thank you're you. a rock star. You know she's a triple major? Yeah. That's insane. I saw that. You know, they were saying the press box. It was, I think Chris Lee with 247 Sports like, Triple major, you know, you, you hear a lot of the major, minor, double, double major, major, minor, three majors, and having that, to read our stuff all the time. Oh, I my mean, God. Well, our stuff, let alone, like, eight other sections. That's what I'm saying. Figuring out all the organ. I mean, she's insane. So, 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 truly shout out to her. She is outstanding, and she deserved that award. Very impressive. Absolutely. Let, let's transition to football. Commodores lose 31-15 in a game that you really never thought they'd have a chance. Auburn's second play of the drive, they knock off, they knock off a 67-yard run, I think it was. And you just really didn't see much from the Vanderbilt rush defense. They had another big run of 50-plus yards. And the rushing defense continues to be bad. The lack of pass pressure on the quarterback is bad. And then on the other end, we've been talking about how bad Joey Lynch's lack of creativity is. He never elected to, to throw the ball deep down. We're going to go de deeper a little bit later on, on a play that really showed me why Joey Lynch should leave. But Aiden, what were your thoughts on the game? I have minimal thoughts on the game, to be honest with you. I mean, I had a lot of people be like, oh, well, we didn't lose by that much to me. And I'm like, those are the casuals, and they didn't watch the game. Right. In, my, right, right. in my mind, this was a terrible loss, and it was probably just as bad, if not worse, than their previous losses. Because sure, they only lost by 16, but... Seven of those fifteen points were a result of like a really like dumb decision by Peyton Thorne that he like threw the ball and he couldn't see and it ended up being a short pick six for Vanderbilt and then the other touchdown was, you know, kind of late when the game was already over and they did their usual oh Vanderbilt scores a touchdown or two in garbage time to make it look slightly more redeemable 
fact remains, they failed to cover. They were at home. They looked terrible. There's no offensive creativity. I'm starting to agree with Jace, and I, I don't think it matters because I do think AJ Swan is actually injured and he's not ready to come back, but I'm starting to agree with Jace that maybe, just maybe, Swan gives them a better chance of winning. I think that is true in, to, to an extent, but there were a lot of times where Lynch didn't even give Seals an opportunity. I'll give, yeah, I'll give you an example. Go ahead. Midway through the second quarter, just under 12 minutes elapsed. The Commodores were down 14-0. Remember, you're down 14-0 to an SEC team you're supposed to lose to 12th by. It's third and 20 at the 50, around the 50-yard line. <laughs> so you get, no, sorry, it might have been the 45. So let's say you're at the 45. You get 10 yards. You're in field goal position. I know it's a college kicker. Jacob Brasilla already had missed a 43-yard field goal earlier in the game. But you, you, you get 10 or 12 yards, you you're putting in just by going for it, too. Exactly. But no. Old reliable. What does he do, Wilf? Runs the ball. Out of? A shotgun. There you go. Cedric Alexander gets three yards. I know Vanderbilt ends up pinning Auburn to the one-yard line. Bryce Cowan ends up getting a pick six. I don't care about that. That is great. But you're still you're doing that. That message, Aiden, in my opinion, shows, hey, I think there's a better chance of us doing something bad and turning the ball over than getting 10 yards on the slant route. I agree with you. It's a terrible message. It's it's just like a, we're going to roll over and die a little bit. It's Do you remember when the Giants ran uh, a QB sneak on third and nine? With Joe Judge. A few years ago with Joe Judge. Yeah, and, and that was that like moment, that. right? Like, this isn't the guy. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, as someone who had watched the Giants for many, many years before then and multiple seasons of Joe Judge, I knew he wasn't the guy. But, yes, that was the culminating moment of what are we doing here? And I think he's had a lot of those moments. I think that is another example of those moments. Because if you're going to punt it anyways, throw a Hail Mary, right? Why not just throw a Hail Mary? Why not just yeah. chuck it down to Will Shepard? Like, it falls incomplete or it's intercepted. If you're going to punt it anyways, why not take a shot? Yeah, also I would, I would add that if you're in the shotgun passing the ball and you get sacked, you're still in fine punting position to pin them within yeah, the 10-yard line. Yeah, and with is still a 45-yard punt to pin him within the 10-yard line, and that's well, well within his range. He'd probably have to short kick it in order to do that. And then Clark said in the press comments after, he's like, yeah. He, it's not uncommon to do that or something it, like yeah, that. Yeah, it right? was a little belittling, honestly, when I asked the question. And he didn't mean it like that. I think it was just he was saying, yeah, in football sometimes on third and long, it's different than third and medium and third and short. You have to play for the next play. But it's not like you're in your own ter ter territory trying to gain up yards. Oh, third and 20 in your own territory, I don't mind running the ball at all because you're punting it anyways. And at that point, a turnover is pretty damning. But if you throw the ball 30 yards downfield, they're still within their own 15-yard line yes. if it's get intercepted. I don't know. I think it's ridiculous. Let's move on. I want to talk about Will Shepard really quickly. I know he's our star player and the receiver, but he had two really bad drops in, in punt return coverage that just showed to me that like he's kind of given up on the season, right? Like yeah. Lack of attention to detail. He had a drop on offense as well. London Humphreys had a drop. It's just this attention to detail when the coach always says, oh, you need a, a, a razor-thin margin in the SEC. It seems like the, the locker room's kind of lost faith. Yeah, I think it's concerning. I feel like relatively lazy performance all around. I do think it's worth adding that Auburn dropped five passes in this game, and two of them were, like, 65-yard touchdowns. Oh, yes. yes so, yes, like, yes. yeah, again, like, 16-point game very, very easily could have been 31. Like, but regardless, um, I don't know how much of it is an effort thing. I definitely think he looks less inspired than he did at the beginning of the season, and it's probably due to frustration of 
not getting the ball and bad quarterback play and bad play calling and you know he's the star guy he's the best player on the offense maybe the best player on the team so he deserves to be fed the ball but i think he's just not a good punt returner i don't like we talked about him not having the best lateral speed and, and, and the best agility he's got great vertical speed great jump ball receiver definitely like his bigger weakness and you know what's going to keep him from rising higher and higher up on nfl draft boards is that like cut speed agility type of thing and that's what you want in a punt returner so i think it's kind of questionable to have him returning punts to begin with and then yeah he's he, i mean he had that horrible fumble against wake forest that like completely changed the momentum of the game early in the season too right like, right he's not right. a he's just not a punt returner I think that's pretty apparent. I also don't like the idea of putting your best player out there as the punt returner. It's a very fascinating concept. Yeah. There's so many questions, and and I was talking with Frankie Sheehy. We're just so so much more than a few pieces away, but I do think there's there's something valuable in maybe getting quarterback in the transfer portal. Yeah, I I mean, even from a culture perspective, just getting someone to come in like a like a not not that anyone of Bo Nix's caliber would come in, but someone to just like play well and just inspire some guys. So someone said to me in the press conference that Ty Simpson, Alabama backup quarterback, he's from Martin, Tennessee. So he would never, I don't think he would ever go north to Big Ten because he's not used to that type of cold. Right. He, he could go to a Vanderbilt. I know he, he talked to them when he was in high school, and he was such an early commit to Alabama. Alabama or Auburn? Alabama. Okay. He, he's the backup quarterback okay, for Alabama. Okay, my bad. Pretty sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, behind uh, Joe, John Milrow. John okay. Milrow. Jalen. Jalen. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, um, I, I do think Simpson is is a guy that you could look at. Vanderbilt has a lot of money that they're putting into the program, and I know these other schools might have more money, but I don't know. Vanderbilt has something to offer that if the schools really care, we're talking about that. If you know you're not going to go to the NFL, go to a, a, a school with a lot of academic prowess and yeah. maybe, maybe a, a program you can build up from the ground up. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I think that's got to be Vanderbilt's pitch in all sports, but especially football. Um, That being said, I do still think there are some key pieces on this team that I I would like to see going forward, and I think can can play significant roles going forward. I think C.J. Taylor's probably gone. Uh, You know, Mm -hmm. maybe he goes to the NFL, and I I don't know how high he would get drafted, if he would get drafted at all. Um, I think it's more likely he transfers to another team in the SEC. Same with Shepard, maybe transfer... If not, definitely NFL. There's no way he comes back. No, I think Swan's probably gone. McGowan's a question mark. You know, but Seals obviously, right? Yeah, I mean Seals is the Seals' career is like whatever. He's gonna go work in consulting or something like that. He's in some of my HOD classes, so I don't know what exactly he wants to do, but something HOD adjacent. Um, but I think Langston Patterson should stay. I think London Humphreys will stay. I think Junior Sherrill will stay. Those are guys that I'm kind of excited about. You know, I think they have potential. I think they've shown flashes, especially Langston Patterson. You know, he's been kind of like the apple in my eye all season. Um, big fan of him. He has really, really come into his own and shown that he is one of the premier players on the defense. Yeah, he, he, he's been great. He's really stepped up. He, he had a, a great, a great um, a bit of few tackles. He had a great interception against Ole Miss. Yeah. And, and, and I think there's something to be said about that, Ian. There are, there are always a, a few pieces and, and a few bright spots, and... You have to think, are the, is the coaching staff and the coordinators and lack of originality and creativity kind of harnessing and, and hijacking the promise of all these players? That That's what the question is. And I think that's been the theme of the entire season, right? Like, last year there was so much more excitement and so much promise. Five wins, you have big, big wins, and it seemed like the whole locker room was 
going behind Mike Wright towards the end of the season, feels like there's no one leader and there's no one coach that they're following. And it feels you lost. hope that something changes. Yeah, I mean, it just feels completely like <clears throat> downtrodden. Absolutely. Like miserable, even. I don't know. I, I, I just think like uninspiring, disappointing football. I know that was the title of your brunch was uninspiring. And yeah, it's uninspiring or uninspired? Uninspired. Yeah, sorry. I think we're uninspired. Whatever. Something something that is not inspiring. Um, and I think that's the truth. Like, I just think that there's not that much to be excited about. I don't think they have someone they feel like they can rally behind. And the last thing I'll say, because we're kind of reaching our football threshold. I know well, we have well, a lot we're going to quickly, quickly recap or, or preview Previews. South Carolina. Okay. Um, the last thing I want to say is I'm firmly out on Clark Lee. I know I said this last episode. I did do a little bit of research, as I said in the last episode, and I found my diamond in the rough top candidate. I texted you and Frankie about it um, earlier last week. <sighs> Adam Gase, quarterback whisperer, former Miami Dolphins and New York Jets coach, sitting on his couch every Saturday doing absolutely nothing. Let's just, like, swallow our pride, fire Clark Lee, bring in Adam Gase, and hope that he's like the next Chip Kelly or Jim Harbaugh. So Gase was at, he was the quarterback whisperer for Peyton Manning. That's what kind of got him to all that places. But like, well, Clark Lee will be here for the long run. I know, I know. And, and, and I actually, let's just, you fire both coordinators, you fire most position co- coaches, and we'll see what happens. But yeah, maybe that's down fair. the line. But I don't know if I trust, I don't know if Clark Lee is trustworthy to hire the right guys, though. Maybe that's a Barton Simmons job. I don't really know the. That's true. I mean, I imagine they collaborate on it. Yeah. I know uh, fellow uh, staff member Jonah Barbin thinks very highly of Barton Simmons. I don't know him too well, um, but we'll see. I mean, I'd be shocked if any of the coordinators on this team, at least the top offensive and top defensive coordinators, and Joe Lynch and Nick Howell are still here next year. I'd be shocked. We will see. Let, let's quickly transition to the game. Vanderbilt We're get torched. Vanderbilt goes to South Carolina. So moving on, Vanderbilt plays South Carolina and Tennessee. They're looking at a two-win season straight in the face. I look at this game in South Carolina and both Tennessee. I'm going to merge the two quickly and say you just hope that they're going to be competitive. Spencer Rattler, I, I don't know how big of a fan you are or if you're not. Eh. He, w- he was at Oklahoma, transferred to South Carolina. He was one of the best players in college football people were supposed to be. He's kind of just in a little bit above average SEC quarterback. Yep. But overall, they just have a really solid team. Pretty pretty respectable defense. And and playing in Columbia is not a fun place you want to play. You just hope that Vanderbilt can be competitive. And I think Seals played well enough last week to kind of stave off Taylor for the next two weeks. Yeah. I mean, I, I think they've kind of given up like we talked about at this point. The person I'm really worried about, and it, it's kind of like the Luther Burden treatment that we, treatment that we were talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, Xavier Leggett is insane. Yeah, he, he's he one is, of the best receivers in the. He's he one of the best receivers in the nation. Um, no, Marvin Harrison is the best receiver in the nation. I was gonna say SEC. Oh, uh, I, personally, I think it's Luther Burden, but Leggett is two years older, so maybe you give it to him. He's got 50 catches for 973 yards and five touchdowns on the season. Not quite Luther Burden stats, but pretty darn close. He just torched Jackson State. Jacksonville State, sorry. Um, that was a battle of the game. Gamecocks with the same logo. Yeah, yeah. And they it was a good game for the better part of three and a half quarters, and then South Carolina pulled away at the end because Leggett had like 180 yards and two touchdowns. Um, I expect much of the same from him. Vanderbilt secondary has shown an absolute inability to 
even if they like try and limit the big play, stop the big play. Like even if that is their number one game plan, they can't slow it down. Um, so I, I think he'll go. Uh, he'll be all over the field. Uh, absolutely. You just hope that whether it's House or C.J. Taylor, whoever it is back there, that they can just contain him. There's you're going to see a lot of double teams, and it's going to be similar to the Missouri game. You see double teams on the receiver. The running game opens, and that's where Vanderbilt kind of gets bit in the rear end because both both the rushing defense and the passing defense isn't that isn't good. So so that so that's the issue. I, I wish I had more inspiring things to say. I just want to quickly add. I really hope that that Jaden McGowan's performance last week is highlighted, and they find ways to use him because you need to use gadget type guys and players in a jet sweep or in the backfield to just. Have creativity, have something happening, and, and get people riled up. Because if you have the same third and 20 runs, the first and 10 slant rounds, the second and six runs out of the shotgun, it's just going to be the same thing. Something created from Joey Lynch, which I know won't be produced, but let's just hope. All one can do at this point is hope, Andrew. That's all we can do. Game predictions for the game against South Carolina. 35-6. to six. But And I'm predicting a touchdown, but no extra point. Do we go for two? Is it a garbage time? Do we go for two? No, no. I just think our kicker is really bad. I think that's something that we should hit the portal. Transfer from Kansas. Yeah, I, I don't hate that. I mean, I just think it's really limiting to have no faith in a quarterback or a receiver. Or, so sorry. Kicker. A kicker. Kicker. Kicker to kick the ball effectively from 50 yards out. Like, you have to be able to trust, like, okay, well, there's a chance he makes this. Like, this guy can't even get 40 yarders. And no offense to him. Truly. Why well, can't Hayball kick our field goals? I bet he'd be better. I bet if you taught him in three days, he could probably figure it out. That dude is a dog. He is league bound. Best player. I expect him. I don't know if punters get drafted, but uh, I think like, he'll be on an NFL like, roster the sixth next or year. Yeah, I mean, he deserves it for sure. Um, and also, he's just gotten so much publicity as the punter. By the way, I am. Happy for him at the amount of publicity he's gotten, but disappointed because I've been on his like I'm literally like the first player on the Matt Hayball bandwagon. I love There's that. evidence of it, so it's fine. Forty-eight-three South Carolina. Okay. Wow. Um, th- there's just nothing to say. The you three, just go into it. You have no expectation of them to like do anything. It's the same thing as kind of what you were saying. I see the three point as being a field goal early in early in the game, and and the Commodores think that they're within. It's fourteen-three. The Commodores think the game is there, but. Just a, a lot of touchdowns. You see, you were saying that receiver, he's really solid. But let's not forget Spencer Rattler. Um, he pretty much torched Vanderbilt last year. I know the Commodores like were quite busy because three days prior to the game, they were dealing with Dan Jackson's tweet and all that, and he coached that game. He was on the sideline. But he was on the sideline. But, but anyway, just we'll see what happens with the Commodores. You have to hope and pray that because we're at the end of the day, we are Vanderbilt hustlers. Or we're the Vanderbilt sports biggest following. We want Joey Lynch to succeed. I'm the biggest Vanderbilt fan on this campus, I'm convinced. And I agree I, with like, you. I literally bleed black and gold. That's why I'm so, like... That, that's why we're pessimistic. Yeah. The reason we're pessimistic is because we care. And that's what we want everyone to know. Because I think Aiden can agree with me. I have so many friends that haven't even stepped foot in First Bank Stadium. I have friends that don't even know that we are named the Commodores. It's ridiculous. Okay, that, that's next level. Like, well, you know what I mean. Yeah, like, yeah, no, totally. I beg all my friends. I, I often go to games by myself and have to find people that I know. I often do that. No, I, I agree. I, and you'll, you'll see that Tuesday, tomorrow night, or, or it will be Tuesday, tonight. I'll be there. Presbyterian. And 
I'll be watching on my phone. But but those type of games, it's like you want those people to be going to the non-SEC games, and, and so you can build up a sense of, of fandom. And it seems like the Commodore fans are, are kind of bandwagons, and I, I bet Aiden's the same. I wanted to go to a school that has a good academic offering and a great um, SEC type atmosphere. And it seems like the Commodores will keep losing that if the football team continues to be just a shell of themselves and, and a laughing stock of the conference, to be quite honest. Yeah, I don't know. I, I wanted the same thing. I wanted, you know, competitive athletics. I didn't need an Alabama or a Georgia by any means, but I did want some competition. And I mean, we've gotten that in basketball. I can't really complain too much. Um, transition. That, that's a great transition. Andy. Thanks. Thanks. I appreciate it. And I actually expect more than competition in basketball this season. We have a preview coming out. Uh, pretty soon yeah yeah it'll be tuesday you'll, you'll see that tuesday midday a few hours before tip off um i'm very optimistic about this team i feel really really strongly about this returning backcourt i think it is one of if not the best backfield in the sec backcourt back sorry yeah <laughs> let's break it down from backcourt forwards to centers so point guard ezra Manion. yep he was a transfer last year he's a senior now and then you have Shooting guard Tyron Lawrence, who got paid a bag to come back. N I L N I L. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know. I think those two, especially at the end of the season when Robbins went down, had amazing chemistry going. They looked great in the SEC tournament. They looked really good in the NIT. And I think you know now they have a full off season again of playing together, of developing that chemistry, of working together. I have high expectations for them. I think the synergy in the backcourt is going to be really, really strong. Yeah, and Tyron kind of gives you a slasher type type of um, play. I, I uh, relate him to an R.J. Barrett out of college. Not on the Knicks now because I don't think he's so good right now. No, he's not. He's but, not. But like that type of slasher. And okay. Ezra Manuel is kind of like a Rajon Rondo. Might not be the best shooter, but a good facilitator. Although he did get hot from three at the end of last yeah, season. Yeah, he did against. Was it the Michigan game? He played pretty solid. He made like four threes against Kentucky in the SEC tournament out of nowhere. And then, like, two more against Michigan. I mean, at the end of the season, he was, like, 9 for 9 from 3 or something like that. So maybe he uh, worked on that even more this offseason. I mean, even if he can just shoot, like, 30% from 3, it'll force the defense to respect that, and I think that'll be that'll be pretty big. I expect that to be the number one part of this game that he worked on this season. Yeah, wait. Sorry, one more thing before I preview the forward. Before we, we previewed the front court and the forwards, let's just quickly talk about the departures. Liam Robbins, Miles Studi. Jordan Wright. Jordan Wright, Trey Thomas. Quinn Malora Brown. Quinn Malora Brown and Noah Shelby. And Noah Shelby. And Malik Dia. And Malik Dia. Is that seven? Yeah. yeah. Mal- Malik and Noah Shelby. Oh, and Emmanuel Anzo. Yeah, yeah, true. Let's not forget about his very solid performance against Memphis last year. But anyway, um, Jordan Wright, he had a very good showing at the end of the season, but let's not forget how much of a shell of himself he was at the end of December and January, and sources have told me that he was actually asked to leave. And I think a reason being that, I just don't think he was a great leader when he wasn't playing great. I know he had actually a very good relationship with Bryce Smith, and I, I, I think- I knew that. That's, I figured that was your source. No, 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 that wasn't the source about that. But um, I, I think there's something to say about how, it had to be Liam Robbins at the I know Liam Robbins got injured a little, but it had to be the other guys that kind of put Vanderbilt back in the spotlight. But where was Jordan Wright from games 10 to 20, in my opinion? I agree. I mean, he stepped up great at the end when necessary. He was banged up. Um, 
I think he's gonna have a nice time in LSU. That's his hometown. And he's a great he's a great guy. I want everyone to know that. Great player. I think yeah, he he's twenty got, plus points. He's got year. yeah, he's got great potential. But I mean, going into last season, he was expected to be the number one guy, and he just wasn't that. And that's okay. Um, he's clearly just not like the number one dude on a team, and he can be a really good you know third player. Um, but he's a bummer of a loss. I think you know transitioning to the forwards, the reason that they're more okay with that loss is because of my personal favorite player on the team and the person I have the highest expectations for, Colin Smith. Yeah, and he got big. He, he put on some He put on weight. 20 pounds of muscle, Yeah, yeah. Uh, he said in the press conference, right? Um, last season, I remember like when, I, when we were previewing all the freshmen coming in um, on the podcast, I remember looking at his file and just being like, what is there not to like about this dude? He's 6'8", he's 220, and that's not including the 20 pounds he just added. So 6'8", 240, he's athletic, he can shoot. He's lengthy. He can cover the one through five. Like, he can do it all. He is the prototypical NBA player. He's like the Jeremy Sohan, the, the, the Thompson twins. Like, he is exactly what you look for in a forward. And I think he had so many amazing flashes last season. I thought he was a spark plug. I thought he shot the ball really well. He had games where he was five for five from three. Um, and he didn't get that much time, and he wasn't that consistent with the time because of the Jordan Wrights and the Miles Studies and the rotation was kind of deep, but now I expect him to take a sophomore jump. I expect he's going to play more. He'll fill that Jordan Wright role, um, and you know, I, I think the sky's the limit for this guy. I really do. Absolutely. I'm not worried about the forwards at all. And then Trey Thomas, he was a shooter, but he was such a defensive liability. <laughs> not really worried about losing a guy like him with such a strong backcourt. And Centers, think, Liam Robbins and Quinn Miller-Brown is the biggest yeah. loss you'll see. You'll see Van Allen Lubin transfer from Notre Dame show up, but he, Liam Robbins, I mean, he, he's on the New Orleans Pelicans right now. He, he's, he's your biggest loss, I think. Yeah, I don't think Miller-Brown was that big of a loss. I think he, he proved to be a pretty big liability when Robbins went down. Yes. He struggled a lot. Um, I think, you know, they've got a couple guys, like you said, Van Allen Lubin, Tassos Camarata. Camateros, sorry. He, he's the transfer from North Dakota from Greece. Yeah, um, and then I think Lee Dort is not healthy at the moment. Yes, but he was uh, seen today without a boot. Okay, so. so, you know, hopefully they get him back and he's, you know, able to slot into that more traditional five. But I think, honestly, Vanderbilt's formula to success last season in the SEC tournament in the NIT was playing that small ball. Like, their most efficient offense and their best play, yes, they struggled on the glass from time to time, was running that small ball, running Miles Studi at the five, running Jordan Wright at the, like, you know what I mean? Um, so I think we're going to see more of that, and I think, you know, Alan Lubin and Kamateros are both, like, really good examples of that, and I think they both fit that mold of, like, lengthy, strong, big, but not huge centers. Yeah. Um, and, and guys that can shoot. Like, yeah. I, Liam can shoot, and that, that's something you need. I think Stretch in, the floor. in the Big Ten's a little different. It's, it's less, like, Big Ten's kind of like Big Ten football, right? Like, it's very fundamental. You don't care as much about shooting the three. You Cuts want a good layup. SEC, yeah. it's all about running the court, the other team down the floor. Athletic. And with Ezra and Tyron commanding that team, you need pretty fast and athletic three, fours, and fives. And now this is a good time where we tra- transition to previewing. You just mentioned it. I'm pretty happy with, with where we see the three right now, right? Yeah. Let's talk about Evan Taylor. Transfer Huge from transfer. Lehigh. He was the first transfer get that we had. What do you think he brings to, to this offense? I think he brings, you know, he scored 15 points per game at Lehigh, six and a half rebounds, good defender. He's a lefty, which I like. I'm a big fan of having those lefties. I think they're harder to guard and having a good mix and Tyron and, and Taylor being lefties and Smith and Lewis and 
Um, Magnon being righties, I think, just adds another dimension. He's a great shooter, good leader. Like, I, I think he fills in that Jordan Wright role really nicely as well. I think him and Smith are, in my opinion, immediate upgrades over Studi and Smith. Or over Studi and, uh, Studi's and Wright. sophomore year to junior year was such a regression. I know. I, I had high hopes for him. I, I honestly thought he could be a, the type of guy that ends up in the league for the same reason that I think Smith could be the type of well, guy that ends up in the league. We always would say, like, those type of forwards are so pro-ready because they really can be a 3 and D guy, but they, they're they good defenders and they're both, like, 6-7. Yeah. They can fill in for you late in the, the game. That's what the NBA looks for these days. Exactly. Yeah. Um, ah, I think he brings a lot to the team. I remember being real pumped when they, when they signed him because I, I know – around the time that he decided to commit was questions about Tyron Lawrence and questions about Stackhouse. And I remember sitting in the studio with Bryce like moments after he committed, it just happened to line up with doing the podcast and us talking and being like, he's good. Like He's good. He drives the ball nicely, shoots the ball nicely, solid defender. He's got good size. I mean, 6'6", 200. I, I, I like it a lot. I think it's great. Absolutely. I think um, when we think about all the positivity, right, you, you think about it because of all the memories that Vanderbilt basketball had, right? Like, talk about what it was like being at Memorial Gymnasium in that Tennessee game. It was incredible. I, I don't know if I'm allowed to say, Actually, I said it on the last last semester. So, yeah, I stormed the court. It was awesome. I mean, watching that so shot you, go you in. you were a part of the fine? So, yeah, so I was part of the fine. It was really funny. I was sitting with my friend. You met him, actually, outside the rec at one time. Jack. Big uh, Chiefs fan. Yes, big Chiefs fan. But he, he said he wants... It was weird. He said... The, he He's such a weird... weird. He said he doesn't want the Chiefs to be winning as he, he misses the Alex Smith days because basically winning is getting old. He said he he basically said he wants to pick a new team because he's sick of his team winning. He's a Bucks and Chiefs fan. And he loves the NFL draft and wants it to matter. He, yeah, he's he's sick of it being like he, he wants to draft like fifth overall or something like that. Right. Regardless. Side point. I remember turning to him and another one of our friends, GW, that we were there with, and I said this team lives by the three. They better die by the three. And that was right before the shot. And I remember watching Ezra drive down, seeing Tyron come open in the corner and holding my hands up with threes in the sky and just, like, watching that shot go in was, like, ecstasy. Like, I, I, I don't can. I don't know if I've experienced a better, like, live sporting moment um, ever. That's pretty cool. That That's one of those things, at least for Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt basketball diehards, you're like, where were you sitting or where were you in that moment? Where were you when? Tyron Lawrence beat Tennessee. I'm going to say where I was. It was 2.45 a.m. in Madrid, and I was on my computer, and I had it on, and I, I fell asleep loading no. the streaming thing. Like, I, I, like, I was loading oh, the streaming. Oh, because you probably had to do some I, illegal thing, right? I had to do extreme on an ad streams, yep. And, like, I was so tired because <laughs> we had just come back from the bar, and I fell asleep, and then I rewatched the whole game the next morning, and... Oh my goodness! What a game! Like the atmosphere was amazing. The way we were chirping back and forth with the Tennessee fans. That, um, that's what Vanderbilt Athletics is about in sports. It probably, I agree. I'm. I bet you had fa- friends that were going that knew nothing about the team, right? Uh, by that point, like after that game, because that was the game that really turned it that around. That was mid February or early February. Yeah, it was sometime in February. Um, I had my friends who I literally would like be hands and knees begging to come to the game, would like be the first people in line with me. That's great. And, like, between that and, like, offering free Shake Shack or offering the free cowboy hats for the girls, like, all my girlfriends would come with me. Um, Yeah, I mean, like, the Auburn game was awesome. The Mississippi State game was awesome. Like, the atmosphere was completely different, and it was a big part of why Vanderbilt had that success because they actually had a home field. And you see, or home court, you see what the home court does for you. 
Did you get to go to any of the SEC tournament games? I went to the LSU game with uh, Bryce. We covered that game courtside. Super cool. One of the cooler experiences for me personally. Um, and then I, I went on spring break. After that, I watched. I paid the ten dollar fee to watch or to buy Wi Fi on the Southwest flight. I was flying to um, Phoenix, Arizona, to visit my or with my friends to to spend a few days there with them. Um, and watching that Kentucky game, I think uh, I want to say Brandon Carp was there at that game. And then the Texas A&M game, someone else was at. Um, but, yeah, no, just the LSU game. It was awesome. That's what it's all about. That's awesome. And that's what you hope for this year. You hope that You hope that Vanderbilt can get to a point where, where there's a sense of excitement and hope that you can be in the NCAA tournament. And to do that, yeah. You have to be winning the non-conference games. Remember, Grambling State was a big game. That was that, it. That was that was the flip. That was the if they flip. They win that game, they make the tournament. Because Vanderbilt went really far in the SEC tournament, and if you go that far and you have a decent non-conference slate, you have no reason not to be in the NCAA tournament. I would say Vanderbilt is better than eight team, eight to ten teams in the NCAA tournament. I would really argue that with with how much momentum they had. They went decently far in the NIT. Um, the NIT. Lost Third round. To, was it lost to Yale? University of Alabama, Birmingham. Oh, right, right, right. Beat Yale, beat, beat, beat Michigan. Michigan. That Michigan bad. game, right? I remember where I was. I was, I was, uh, it was St. Patrick's Day, and I watched with my friends, and that was awesome. And just having those moments, those exciting building blocks, I think are, is so huge, especially for the, the guards, Van Yoda and, and Tyron, who are leading the charge. Yeah. So let, let's talk about the Presbyterian game. What are you looking for? Vanderbilt, I think it's Murder. 17 and a half. I'm looking favorites. for them to beat the breaks off of them. To the point where the starters are out by the end of the middle of the third quarter. Or, yeah. Sorry, uh, mid, midway through the second half. I mean, yeah. Like, I just think in order to win these games, or in order to like show the committee you know, all the positives, we've got these, yeah, we've got these things that are like, you have to have a good net score in order to have the good net score in order to have the good Ken Palm. It's all about margin of victory. And I think that they need to show that they are capable of beating good teams, which I thought they showed at the end of last season. They beat all these great teams. They beat Kentucky on the road. They beat Kentucky in the SEC tournament, et cetera, et cetera. But they lost these beginning games. So I think, you know, they've got four games at home against respectfully garbage teams until they play NC State and BYU or Arizona State for the Vegas showdown. Yeah, um, right. And, you know, until those games, Vanderbilt should go in, up, you know, 4-0 with an average margin of victory of, like, 20 points. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's like the Boston College game. It's the game in Dallas against, I think it's Texas Tech. Those type of games are going to be the differentiator as well. But if you know you, you. you win all your home games and and you you split, I, I'd say you're, you're 500, in, 500 in the SEC, it gets you in. That, yeah, 100%. Um, I'm actually very excited for the Boston College game because one of my best friends goes to Boston College um, and he, like, does like a bar stool type account for them, and he's a huge Boston College fan, so we'll have some good banter. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for basketball season. Work. Really exciting stuff, Aiden. Anything else that, that you hope for? Um, hope for a win on Tuesday. At the at the bottom line, because we lost our season opener last year, I'm hoping for a win. Absolutely, Anish will be on the beat on Tuesday, and you will be on the beat third or on Friday. Yes, I will. Keep keep following everyone. Thank you all so much for listening, and go Doors.